And you are listening to Human and Holy, a podcast where we discuss the deepest parts of Torah, not just as scholars, but also as human beings. Today's episode is co-sponsored. Our first sponsor is Levana Duchman, dedicated Le'ila Nishma's Nachem Elazar ben Yosef, and for a happy birthday for David Avram Yitzchak ben Rachel Fruma. Today's episode is also sponsored by the Ruvini family. In loving memory of Rivka Bas Nisim Nitsan and Devora, their sister and daughter Jessica. She valued learning and lived with compassion and kindness towards others, helping whenever she could. May her soul know a beautiful Ganeta. If you are listening to this and would like to sponsor an episode of the podcast, episode sponsorships are available. If you would like to sponsor an episode in honor of her birthday, yard site, someone you love, visit humanandholy.com slash sponsor or email us at info at humanandholy.com. We are so grateful to our sponsors past and present for making each episode happen week after week. This podcast would not exist without you. So thank you so much. Today's episode is part of our extended series on tefillah. This tefillah series was made possible by Rorbeis Chaya Academy. RBCA is the high school for Lubavitch girls to thrive and discover their inner potential and connection to Torah and Hasidus. Their task is to bring out the best in each student with individualized attention, a vibrant Hasidic atmosphere, meaningful and exciting extracurricular programming, and learning that's relevant and thought-provoking. Today's episode is the last in our Tvila series. If you've been following this series, then you know that we've released a Tvila collection to ground the inspiration from the podcast into tangible items you could use in your home. The Sidurim and journals both sold out, mind blown, literally. Thank you. We will be restocking the Sidurim and we are doing another printing of journals based on the pre-orders that we receive. Visit humanandholy.com to receive beautiful resources to help you deepen your personal experience of prayer. Finally, all right, now, on to today's episode. If you've been listening for a while, you know I love to end a series with a Forbrangen. In Hasidic culture, Forbrangen serve as a space for integration, for us to talk about our experiences with an idea, explore ways to integrate it more deeply in our life, share where we struggle with it, where we'd like to grow, what inspires us. So today, I brought together a couple members from the Human and Holy community for a Forbrangen about Tvila. What has brought us together in the virtual space has been the ideas of Torah and Hasidus. That's how we all know each other, and it gives us a really special bond. This Forbrangen felt raw, real, so integrated, and I invite you to open up your hearts and join us as we integrate all the information we've been learning about Tvila into our lived human experience. Hi, I'm Devara Freundlich. 
I live in New York. I am planning to attend graduate school to become a clinical psychologist. So I'm in the process of all of that, which is a lot. But for now, I'm, you know, working, living, part of the human and holy community. I'm really excited to be here. Hi, I'm Rishi Hine. I live with my family in Western New York State on Shlachas for almost 15 years. I've been on a journey to rediscover myself and find how to live an integrated and wholesome life. And I think that learning chassid is a huge part of that for me. I've become somewhat of a brain science junkie, <laughs> partly because I have a very neurodiverse family. So that's a huge part of my life too. Hi, I'm Kimberly Ritz. I live in Poughkeepsie, New York. We're north of the city. And I have three daughters, two teenagers and a tween. And I'm really happy to be here tonight. And some of my interests are I'm into yoga. I'm into learning. I'm just an eternal student. I've just accepted it. When I was in kindergarten, I wanted to go to school on the weekends. It's just me. <laughs> I so relate. And I'm a social worker by trade. So thank you. Awesome. Thanks all for being here. I want to start off by asking what you love about prayer. Like, Let's start with the celebration. Tell us what you love about prayer, what you connect to about tefillah. What is it within davening that you feel like you can resonate with? Something that I particularly relate to a lot is that davening is almost completely reliant on your intention because it's just like pick one small tefillah that you really relate to or that means a lot to you or that you've learned about and that you have kind of something to tap into when you say it and then say that one small thing and then you have this like beautiful connective moment. So that's been something that I've thought about a lot, especially when like, you know, like at times, certainly now I don't always have time to daven and I do feel kind of guilty about it. I don't have kids and like a huge family to take care of. So it doesn't always feel so valid. So having that in my mind is something that I found super helpful. And then another thing that I've, we discussed this in the Tanya session, I don't want to call it like a class, but the Tanya session that I, that I do with the human and holy community, that davening or tefillah is, it's really just an investment in your relationship with Hashem. Like that's ultimately what it is. And if you view it that way of like, not like this task that you need to do, but just like, oh, there's this being in my life, like Hashem in my life. And I want to work on this connection. I want to forge a stronger connection. I think viewing it as kind of like a conduit to that is a lot more powerful, at least for me, and helps me look at it as like a more beautiful, deep kind of connective practice. So I started loving tefillah because it really grounds me. And it reminds me of things that I just tend to forget, the hectic mundanity of the day, I guess. I confess that I don't really daven like every day or even more than morning brachas, but I really feel like the morning blessings, oh my gosh, they're everything. There are so much in them that I find so deeply personal and expresses so much of what I really, really, really want and need. And just reminds me of the fact that I'm here and my purpose. It's really powerful. So I find that starting the day with talking to Hashem in that way is so grounding and just an anchor when everything around me can be flying and chaotic and just really hard. Yeah, that's beautiful. I do connect with the morning blessings as well, too. My daughter is a cancer survivor, and it's been a tough go. And when she was struggling with breathing, just being aware of our ability to breathe, and the openings are open, and Hashem 
is blessing us with those things. I find that davening for me through a lot of tough things that have come through in my life, I've really leaned on it to ground me as well. And I'm finding now is things are a little bit quieter, trying to make that connection where I'm needing more than just the grounding, more building on the relationship. You know, a lot of it was crisis management and I really felt grounded in having those blessings, having the Psalms to be able to lean on. And now it's just kind of like reestablishing, like not in crisis mode and just kind of revisiting, just like being in a friendship, like being in a relationship. And I did really appreciate the last podcast that you just had on and, and how the woman was sharing about how she's going through a very rough time too. And kind of that give and take of of relationships and tefillah is connecting. You know, that's really what it is. It doesn't have to be just requesting and asking. It can be way more than that. So that's what resonates with me. Is there something particular that you have studied that has opened up your eyes to what you could access in the morning or afternoon when you opened up the sitter to daven or spoke to God? This is not particular to davening, but I do relate it to davening. In Tanya, in Parak Bays, when it talks about how our divine soul is literally a piece of Hashem and that there's no two ways about it and it's not a metaphor, it's not hyperbole, it's just that there is literally a piece of Hashem within us, that is something that I've come back to a lot, especially with Maida'ani, especially with morning blessings, because I feel like it brings home the gratefulness for having another day where it's that my neshama is this active breathing thing. It's within me. And it's such a gift that Hashem has given me another day to have it within me and to then move throughout my day with it. What I would just add is that for people who are more in the intellectual brain and maybe their heart isn't as open, they had to come up with like the Shemona Esrei, like deciding like what was going to be the outline of it. It's daunting talking to Hashem. We can't see Hashem. We can't, we don't know Hashem. We, you know, anything. It it feels like a one-sided situation. You know what I mean? And so we're given by the sages, these beautiful words that are really profound and do speak to all the human needs that we still have in 2023. And I just always was blown away by that insight that they had to come up with, you know, in the early 11th, 12th century that would still apply now, that that's what just continues to blow my mind. We still don't have peace. We still don't all these values, you know, you can just, you think, okay, we'd be at a different place at this point, but really no. And it speaks to like all of the human desires. We do get jealous. We do mess up. You know, it just, it really gives a lot of room for like being human. It reminds me of like a woman's prayer, you know, like the tefillah of Hannah, who was the mother of Shmuel Hanavi. And I think that one of the things that she taught us, right, is that prayer is very personal and it is very human, you know, because she was praying for her deepest desire, right, to have a child. And she had to go through that almost confrontation with the Kohen Gadol, right, to bring out that that is what is tefillah. Tefillah is like we're human beings on this earth trying to connect to our creator. And Hashem wants to hear what our deepest desires are and bring our whole selves into it, right? Even the fact that asking for our desires is so central to the concept of tefillah could have easily been just about praising Hashem, but it's an interaction and we're very much encouraged within the literal tefillahs 
to ask for our needs and to show up with our needs and to show up, as you said, with our human selves and to have that relationship between the physical parts of our lives and the spiritual part of our lives and to recognize that they're one thing, that acknowledging that Hashem created the earth is the same thing as asking Hashem for more calm in your home. You know, like those two things are interconnected. They're not two different worlds, but they coexist within Tvila. Yes. And I think that's what brings me into davening is like knowing that I can come to Hashem with all my messes, like exactly as it is. And then I'm able to like personalize my davening because of all the messes I'm bringing with it. Like here I am, like as I am. And I feel like I could come and daven that way. You know, I think for a long time it was you know, if you're going to daven, you have to be a tzaddikist. No, you got to do the whole daven. You got to say karbonis. You got to do all the things that you were taught to do. And it, yeah, it is intimidating. But I think the fact that I need Hashem and I need Hashem to see me with everything that I've got in my life, I can come to Hashem with everything I've got, like all the mess. <laughs> and then I make the davening mean to me what what's going on for me. Like, can I give you an example? The bracha of Matir Asurim, which is a prayer that thanks Hashem for freeing the bound. Here's what it means to me. Okay. I have a lot of baggage and I'm just asking Hashem to please like free me from all of this. I just want to be free. I want to approach you from a place of wholeheartedness. I don't want to be weighed down by all this stuff that's constricting me. So when I say that bracha, it's personalized. And like, sometimes it brings me to tears because I'm like, I really beg Hashem for this. And here I am with my mess and I'm, it's a sincere prayer. It's not lip service. So that's why I think to feel like to me it's become such a beautiful and helpful tool because like it's really expressing like what's really in my heart when I can bring it into my life and personalize it with what's going on for me. That's really beautiful. I have a bunch more, but like, you know, the mornings that I'm actually like not like flying out the door and I can mean what I'm saying is it's tremendous. Can you tell us more? Okay, here's one. Pokayach Ivrim. Blessed are you, Hashem, the King of the universe, who opens the eyes of the blind. Okay, this is me asking Hashem to be able to see what's in front of me. Because so often what's going on around me, I'm like, I'm interpreting through all the stories I'm telling myself and all of my own in, like interpretations of things. Like, you know, I'll see a kid who's having a hard time getting from point A to point B. And in my head, I'm spiraling like this kid needs, he needs this kind of therapy and he's going to be like this when he's older and he's struggling. And all it is is a kid who's just struggling to get their shoes on. Okay. Like that's what's actually in front of me. And if I can actually just Hashem take away the filters that I'm adding to everything and just help me be present and see what it is my child needs, what it is the person who's next to me needs, what is it that the situation actually needs? Please God. Help me open my eyes so I can see what's there. Not the stuff that's in my head, not the mental chatter. There's a lot of that. Okay, so that's one. I did Matira Surim. Malbisha Rumim. Okay, so I think that there's a Tzivas Hashem Siddur, or we have a Hebrew school Siddur that has translations for the Brachas. And I remember reading about how the mitzvahs are like garments for a Neshama, right? And so it's thanking Hashem that we have so many ways of expressing the language of our soul through doing the different mitzvahs. But also sometimes back to simplicity, like it's just feeling the warmth of clothing on my skin, especially when on, on freezing mornings, you know, like I feel warm and I have something on my skin to warm, you know, to wrap me in. That's also the basic simplicity of that. That doesn't need an explanation, right? Oh, not at all. That's my favorite one. <laughs> Can you translate it? For real. I mean, like... 
maybe I'm at a point in my life where I just feel so depleted and exhausted all the time from all the output and from, you know, like Hashem knows, he knows how exhausted I am. And it's like the only source of strength in the world is you. And you want me to show up and keep doing my job. You have to keep giving me strength. Like that's it. I think all of us can relate to this one really very, very deeply. Okay. This is one that a very dear teacher of mine, Vivi Darren, taught me, the bracha of Sha'as Ali called Zarki. And this is the bracha that thanks Hashem for giving me all of my needs. And when she explained this, it hit home. But this is really a reminder to myself that Hashem has already given me everything I need to face whatever the day is for me. Like, this is the bracha that reminds me that I have an immense amount of inner strengths and inner powers somewhere inside. And it's a prayer to Hashem to allow me to access those inner strengths because he's already given them to me. And I think that everything that in my life circumstance around me is already set up for me to be able to show up and do what I need to do. Like my needs are already given to me. So when I'm doubting myself, which is a lot, <laughs> you already gave me everything I need. It's like, it's in there somewhere, you know, and allow me to access it. Those are just the ones that like really, really get me. It's like in the morning, there's so much to do. There's so much going on. I have so much internal noise. Thank you, God, for all these things you've given me. And please, God, keep giving them all the things that I need. I want to talk about the struggle with prayer. What do you struggle with about prayer? Is it something ideological? Is it something practical? What is it that holds you back from dominating, from opening up the sitter? I feel like my brain is a pretty loud place <laughs> to occupy. And one of the things that's difficult for me with davening for long stretches of time is that it's just really hard to concentrate. I feel like I'm trying to focus on what I'm saying and I'm also trying to find some way to relate to it personally. And it just feels so loud. Like it feels like almost like a green light for all of my thoughts to just go at full force. And during a service in Mechiva, I took an achlata to daven a shachras every single day because it's just not something that I do reg regularly. And I did not realize how taxing it would be because I was I really wanted it because I find davening so grounding. And especially during that time where you want to be focused and you want your days to have intention, it felt like the right achlata to take on. But it was really difficult <laughs> because every time I opened the sitter, and for like 25 minutes, 30 minutes, I was davening. I felt like I was dragging myself through this, like, almost like I was sitting in a room full of people and they were all yelling at me. And it was just like so much noise. And I was just trying to focus. And I don't find that with the small tefillahs that I say every day, like with morning brachas or shema is super important to me. I don't find that. It's a small commitment. So it's something where even going into it, you know that it's not going to take very long. So it's easy to be like, all right, for the next 10 minutes, quiet brain, we're going in, we're focusing on these words. And I was really proud at the end when I made it all the way through. <laughs> but I was also, it kind of brought up a lot of negative feelings for myself because I felt 
I was so frustrated. That was my experience. I thought that I was going to take on the Sakhlata and then like every single day become like closer to Hashem. And then at the end be in this like, <laughs> this like spiritual pinnacle because I dab in chakras for a week. We're so afraid of lip service. Yes. I was just like depleted at the end. And almost feel sacrilegious. Like how can I open a sitter and just like blah, 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 through it? Sometimes you just have to like say it. I don't know. And not judge ourselves whether how well we were able to focus because focusing is really hard. It really is. That's why I find myself very present with the smaller, like Havdala, I can be like, I am in it. You know, it, I know there's a beginning and an end, beautiful smells, fire, no problem. You know, I'm in the mikvah, I'm saying the blessings, I'm like all in, I'm doing the morning blessings. Absolutely. It's finite, but it's special and it's mindful. I'm really looking forward to buying one of those women's siddurim, Tanya, because like if I have a sitter that says you have five minutes, this is what you can do. Okay. That will be a game changer for me because <laughs> usually the excuse of I don't have time is very present. I think subconsciously, maybe there's some avoidance going on because I think the experience of davening for real is quite vulnerable. So sometimes I, I just want to avoid that. Like I'd rather just be busy with all the things I have to do and be productive and not sit down and open myself up a little and acknowledge maybe what's going on inside. No, I totally hear that. And I think too, that we are like in such a transactional type of relationship with everyone. You're not even making complete sentences on a text anymore. You know what I mean? It's like the bus pickup that, you know, we're just like, what about good morning? I'm always trying to tell the kids like, you got to open at least with good morning or so hi, something to someone. You can't just be like asking them for something immediately when you wake up. It's just not okay. And then I find myself doing the same thing. So I think too, with our relationship with Hashem and with davening, a lot of times we're so in that transactional mind to then be in that vulnerable place and kind of take a step back and realize how much we don't have control over and how much Hashem does have control over everything. It can also feel very overwhelming and it's hard to like get in that really deep space when like the pasta is on the stove and going to about burn over and you know what I mean like all these other things too we want to like be there and be vulnerable but it is hard to like switch that and then go back into like being mom mode you know what I mean I find that hard I do find that hard yeah it's like how much easier is it to just you know the cleaning ladies in your house or you know cleaning whatever to just like you know hi and then ignore them and get on with your work other than look them in the eye how are you how's your mom actually see the human being who's mopping your floor it's a lot more vulnerable and it's all easier to just kind of skip over it so i feel like it's almost the same thing it's like looking god in the eye is almost like ooh, you know you'd have to open your heart and i'd prefer to be closed-hearted sometimes to the point about vulnerability, Rishi, is that when you say something and you're putting it out into the world, it's so much scarier because it's not just stuck in your head. It's like, oh, Hashem, I am verbalizing this. I am putting this out on the table. And then you have to acknowledge it and you have to grapple with it because it's not just like stuck in the back somewhere. That's exactly what I was thinking is that I wonder if part of our resistance to tefillah is avoidance. I could totally be projecting, Devorah, but when you said that that week of davening was taxing, I was like, maybe we're just not accustomed to really facing ourselves every morning and not just getting on with the day. Like really just sitting down, being present with ourselves, what's going on, checking in in order to really show up and connect with Hashem. Sometimes we feel worse after we do that because we're not actually comfortable with facing ourselves. And I will definitely say that motherhood is a time when a lot of people stop prioritizing prayer. And I wonder if it's because there's so many complex emotions that we experience during that journey that it's like easier not to go there. 
and it feels taxing. But if it becomes a consistent part of our day, I think we would find it to be healing and help us stay in touch with ourselves on a daily basis when we don't feel grounded, when we do feel disconnected from ourselves. That resonates. I mean, the part that you were talking about, about not having to face complex emotions and it being easier just to not go there. Right. And, and when you're a mom too, a new mom or with young ones, you're giving so much of yourself physically and emotionally and everything. And you're so sleep deprived that it's really hard to kind of be in that mindful space too. You know what I mean? It's in a consistent way. It's, it's in an authentic way, you know? And I think that Hashem understands in those times that we're giving our all, you know, we're doing our best and Hashem's right there with us, you know, through it. Right. Like taking care of kids, like raising children is just so damn hard. It's like, Hashem, I'm doing enough for you. I don't need a dolphin also. Look, I'm taking care of all these kids. Like see how much I'm doing? I'm doing enough. I don't know also what a dolphin. That's the thing though, is that I feel, I feel like I've used that many times in my own life, but I think I'm shortchanging myself. Like it's true. I do believe that he's not like, where's your davening? But I wonder for myself, I'm missing that opportunity. And I definitely think I am on the mornings when I'm not able to access any type of connection with him. Even if I just like zip through morning brachas and I'm like, I can't ground myself. I can't really think about what I'm saying. I think for me, I can only speak for myself. I think for myself, in certain instances, I'm the one who's missing out and I'm the one who's excluding myself when, like excluding myself from what? From an obligation? It's really a gift. Like I'm excluding myself from the gift of connecting to Hashem and realizing that Hashem is taking care of me and my family and I'm not on my own and that I have my own purpose in this and I want that. Yeah. When you see davening as a gift, then not doing it really is excluding yourself. When you see it as a chore and like just annoying obligation, you'll find ways to avoid it. I've noticed a significant difference in times where I have been on like the most basic level, like less on my phone and like more connected with people around me. I have been able to make the time to Dobbin and that Dobbining has been a very grounding and very beautiful experience. And at times when I am trying to avoid something or I'm not willing to face something yet, or I'm kind of overwhelmed and I'm just running through my day, my Dobbining is a mess. And it's not that I don't have the ability to be in the right headspace. It's because I'm resisting being in that headspace. It's something that I think, obviously there are times where there are things that are beyond our control and we should accept that. And Hashem sees that and Hashem accepts that. And that's the beauty of our relationship with him. But there are also times where it's us and we're resisting leaning in and having that gift and having that connection. And all of the, I mean, this is we all know, but all the parts of our lives are connected and you can't have one thing happen in one box of your life that doesn't fall over into the other. And so if we are more mindful throughout our days, then our davening is a more mindful experience. And if we are more connected with people around us, then our connection to Hashem and our conversations with Hashem are more elevating, empowering, interactive. All of those things are related. So I think there's definitely something there. And you weren't projecting at all. You put that so, <laughs> that was so articulate. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Thank you, Tanya. <laughs> Maybe that speaks to also like the prescribed times for davening too. Yeah. Like there's almost like check-in points throughout the day where it's like, hi, God, you're here and I'm here. <laughs> yeah. I could use more of that. Yeah. I think that's so like that all of us seem to be struggling with expectations of our prayer 
and what it should be doing for us or how it should feel or how much intention we should have. And definitely something that I resonate with a lot in terms of the creative practice is showing up consistently without expectation. Yeah. And constantly again and again with the trust that if you feel called to create, then you need to carve out consistent space to do that with a trust that eventually it will come, but also with no expectation that it will come in the way that you wanted to or when you wanted to, but that you control what you can control, which is that you can show up consistently. And with Tfila, I definitely think that that expectation that we all have, that I definitely have, and that actually keeps me away because if I show up and I don't feel connected or I don't feel like I was able to tap into the words, or I don't feel like I'm just connecting to the tefillah at all. It discourages me from returning because I'm like, for what? Like, I'm obviously not in the headspace to do what needs to be done. And tefillah is all about intention. But if I can trust that the only thing that is asked of me is to show up because I have a soul and I'm being called and summoned to talk to Hashem, which is really an invitation. And I could take up that invitation consistently knowing that the inspiration will not always come when I want it to, but it will come when it needs to, how it needs to. Hashem will help me hear him when I need it. And he will open up my heart and soften it. That's so beautiful. I think also the piece about intention, sometimes the intention is just, oh, I carved out time for this. So that's my intention here. Sometimes the intention is a lot deeper. It's about the words themselves. It's about meditating on those words. But I think that just speaking to releasing some of the pressure that we have around davening. Sometimes the intention can just be that you made an extra 10 minutes to daven and then you're going to say the words and you might feel connected and you might not, but you intentionally made space for Hashem in your day. That's a huge mind shift. And I love the way that you brought in the analogy of the creative process. I struggle with that forever because like I am a creative who always struggled to actually sit down and create. And I think it's really because there's a set of expectations of like where this time has, like where I'm going to end up, right? Where is this going to lead to? Like what's going to be the end of this result? It's like result oriented, you know? And learning to let go of the result, showing up and trusting the process is like a very deep avida, I have to say. But it resonates and it, it fits so well with the avida of of just showing up and, and just allowing whatever happens to happen. If you create the space, something might happen, but if you don't create the space nothing will happen. Right. And we get a lot of practice to take all of these ideas and then apply them to our spouses and our children. Right. I mean, we're not always present and intentful and all those beautiful things that we want to be. Right. But we're still doing our best and we're connected. And it's not just like, oh, this one relationship with Hashem. And then we have different relationships with everybody else in our life. You know, I mean, they, they are different relationships, but essentially really they shouldn't be. We were talking about it, resistance or avoidance or all those different things that that's probably playing out in our lives too, right? And other relationships that we have. So it's integrating all of those different aspects of our life. <laughs> Thank you.
Okay, I'm going to pause this conversation to move on to the next piece of our agenda, which is to do a little Tvila hotline. Let me start with Khani. Hi, I'm Khani Lipovenko. And the thing that holds me back from Tvila is the fear of vulnerability in front of Hashem, which is silly, I think, because if you're able to be safely vulnerable with anyone, it's definitely Hashem. But it's scary for me to shut off all the distractions and just be present. And that presence and vulnerability with Hashem scares me because I don't know what I'll find. She's in good company. I was going to say, we, we spoke about that quite a bit. We can relate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we did. Yeah, that is so spot on. And she's quite self-aware to be able to like recognize that because vulnerability is a real thing and it's really hard. And for you know everybody, it's a different level of hard, right? Depending on who you are and your background and your history. For some people, vulnerability is the most scary thing in the world. They'll, they'll do anything to avoid it because maybe they've been very hurt in their life, right? And maybe there are some people for whom it's a little bit less of a challenge, but it's still a leap. But any way you slice it, vulnerability is hard. And so that just makes so much sense. And it's, yeah, give yourself a hug. <laughs> I was just going to add that for the person who just called in, if like that feels really too vulnerable and big, just starting with the morning blessings and like how just the one blessing of like, you have everything you need. So you already have that. So you already are not coming from a place of like empty or you don't have, or you're lacking, you know what I mean? Just to like start there with like that awareness of like, you have what you need. Hashem knows that Hashem gave you that. Not always easy to like connect with that. Cause like sometimes you feel like you don't have the things that you need, but you really do. And sometimes starting small with just like some of those basic blessings that are really the most profound, honestly, because it just kind of builds on that throughout the davening, but just coming from a different perspective of that you do have what you need and just having a soul and having your alive today and like the basics, you don't have to go into, I always never liked that I was this type of person. It doesn't have to go that deep. You know, you can start at a more basic level of just like the basics, you know, to get started. I love that. I love that. And I'm, I'm actually going to add to what you're saying is that even if that feels too much, because acknowledging your life and your actual physical presence also might feel like too much, but saying a bracha before you put something in your mouth is also a prayer. And maybe just there's a little bit more remove there because you're thanking God for like, I don't know, creating the grains of the earth. And I don't know, everything that went into the piece of bread you're eating or the fruit that you're putting in your mouth, maybe that's a safer place to start. Like, I think you should just find a prayer, a small one, and one blessing that just feels, that feels safe and begin there. I agree with Kimberly. I was going to say something along the lines of starting small, right? Just setting aside 10 minutes and, and seeing what you can get through. But also if you can find something to learn beforehand, it could be a couple of seconds, but something that is about our connection to Hashem and how Hashem loves us and what we mean to him and our purpose in this world. There are so many little bits of Hasidus about those things. I think that that gives you the safe space to enter davening with an understanding that you are loved and accepted as you are, because the fact that you are here and you are present, the fact that you even exist within this world is a clear expression of Hashem's love. And 
the vulnerability can be intimidating, but understanding that you're entering a space that is actually safe and inviting and loving can be really, really helpful. Creating that safe space, like tapping into the safety of that space before you enter it, you know, like who is this Hashem who loves me unconditionally and this is really the safest place. I mean, that's a bit of work right there. Yeah. Wow. That's what I immediately thought is that what Devorah described is something that happens way before davening, believing that Hashem wants the best for us and that he loves us. And I think that's the integration. I know there's something bigger. I don't know where I was before this or where I'm going afterwards precisely. My kids a lot of times are like, mom, I can't even like see or touch or like, how do I even, I'm like, if you can answer the question of where you were before I saw you in 2008 or whatever your birthday was, then we can talk. It's so immense. It's so huge. You know what I mean? It's a really big, these are big concepts. And yeah, so when we just have, we have that intellectual like nugget that we know there's something bigger, it's that heart space really with that feeling, the emotions, like the human emotions that Hashem gave us and wants us to use to connect. You know what I mean? That's the part that emotions are not rational, right? So it's like trying to connect both of those things. It's, it's why it's the work. Let's do the next one. Hi, I'm Shayna. And I just wanted to tell you a little bit about my Tfila journey. So it's always been hard to, you know, open up a sitter and use the words, you know, even knowing Hebrew as a spoken language to read those words and use them as a way to connect to Hashem. We know that women naturally connect to Hashem at any time of day, as opposed to men who need to have a set minion, a set time. We're not bound to that time as women. and We can naturally just start talking to Hashem. And I think that most of us, at least I, find it much easier to just, you know, engage in like a basic conversation in my language, in English, with Hashem you know, for things I might need, for things I want to thank him for. But to actually open up a sitter is really, really hard. But just knowing that's the vehicle to be able to connect very easily to Hashem is what makes me be able to actually open up that sitter and go through with it. But it's quite challenging using those words, specifically those compiled words and paragraphs to sit and to read through it and use that as the vehicle to connect to Hashem. And I think many people struggle with that, and especially people who might not know Hebrew well. I'm just feeling that this person just feels so disconnected from the words in the sitter. Like there's something different in her heart that's on the page, and they don't seem to connect. And I think that the truth is that throughout the davening, there are so many different types of words and prayers and like what language are we reading? Let's maybe read it in English and find one sentence that speaks to you. Going back to making to feel it personal, there's one thing in the prayers that can really express something that is in your heart. I feel like there's just such a wide range. Uh, and I think sometimes too, when I know like in my own life, maybe when things weren't going the way that it felt super hard or whatever it is, I mean, she didn't share anything along those lines, but I found my davening in like, preparing for Shabbos and like other ways. I, I couldn't stick to like the script, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like I just wasn't, the words weren't maybe resonating in that order. And I had the, the patience to go through it or the open heart for it. So I think as women, we are given a lot of other ways to express our connection with Hashem too. And just raising kids to be mensch, menches and, and, and such. Like sometimes 
you could be okay with that too, of like your way of davening and connecting with the Shem until you are in a space where maybe you're more open. Like you were saying, Rashida, like connecting to reading in the English and just finding one aspect or re- re- learning with someone, you know, not doing it alone, like joining a davening group or, or something, or even just learning, you know, learning of maybe why you have those hesitations, you know, like it sounds like a deeper thing, maybe in that way. And just understanding more about from another person's perspective of teaching about davening of just the beauty of it. And maybe it's something you missed or something you never learned before, just like a different entry point. So I think like just sometimes doing the mitzvahs can be that connection too. If, if you're not like specifically needing, you know, feeling like I can't do the specific davening that I'm supposed to be doing in the morning, afternoon, and in the evening too. Like you can give yourself, you have other avenues to like find a way in to connect. If you do want to dive in using the framework that already exists and you're just struggling to connect to it, I think finding one tefillah and even one line, honestly, and translating it into whatever language you feel most comfortable in and that you relate to most and then understanding it as best as you can or learning something about it so that when you are davening, you really focus on that and it becomes kind of like the grounding force of your entire davening, I think could be really helpful. And also, yeah, the words of davening do speak to a lot of experiences and it is really special that we have that framework. But if you don't feel like they speak to the experiences that you're having, or if you're struggling to connect your experiences to those words, then you can carve out time in your davening time to just speak to Hashem as if you were speaking to a person you know, at the end of your davening, just spending a couple of seconds speaking out whatever's on your on your mind or, or in your heart. I think it also helps ground our understanding of davening, that it is a conversation and that we are meant to be speaking to Hashem. And I was going to add too that like, there's so many aspects of the Torah, like we don't understand the different laws that like don't even make sense, but they're there. The, the way that the sitter set up too, it's sometimes it's bigger than like we understand it to be, right? And sometimes like we can't go into it knowing like, I need to fully understand all this. And like, these are the way it was laid out for this reason. And this is, you know, sometimes it's, we're not going to have those answers. We're just not. And and that's, I know can feel overwhelming too. But like one time when I was saying like Modim, like in the, in the Shemona Yasrei, like I had just gotten hit by a car, like as a pedestrian. And like, when I was just saying like, that you give me like the ability to like get up every day and just like, give me my everything to be here like I just like almost buckled over like falling and I've said it a gazillion times but it just hit me in a way like I never knew it was going to be like that I never thought in my mind like you reach money yesterday and like at certain points in your life you're going to have a real connection like no but sometimes we have to just go through the motions not fake it to make it but just like it's okay to not understand everything too this is here for us this was made by sages this is made by people way you know more connected to Hashem than we are there's so much Klipa, there's so much disconnect in this world. So like sometimes just being open to, I don't fully get this, you know, we're in an age of like Google anything and you're the expert. So like you feel with this too, like there should be a clear formula of like, this is the way it is. So then this is how, if I get that, then I'll like be all dialed in and like, I'm going to, my job is going to be amazing. But you know, I think I'm kind of going over the same point again and again, but just the aspect of like, we don't fully know everything and that control piece. Yeah. There's so much power in the words of Davni, much more than we'll ever really understand. So opening ourselves up to the experience that we might not really get right now, like there's energy in those words, right? That we can't really fully 
grasp, but there is something very deep and powerful in the words of the tefillahs. So yeah, I really love what you just said. One more thing that came up for me was that I think that it's a journey and we're evolving people. So like if you find yourself at a place where like you feel like the words of the sitter completely don't feel connected to you and you feel like I can't access this, tomorrow's a new day. You're you're a new person tomorrow. And as you go through life, you may find yourself one day opening the sitter and one sentence jumping out at you and you're like, oh, yes. So that's just for today, but it's a conversation that's ongoing. Everyone, are you ready? Like, take a little stretch. <laughs> We're going to end off with a rapid fire. Kimberly, <laughs> you're on the hot seat. <laughs> what is your favorite tefila? Honestly, a sherry atzer. Why? Just about that connection with my own daughter struggling with being able to breathe and just the importance of things need to be open. And starting there, it, it's so profound. There's so many things that blocking our emotions, our thoughts, so many things are blocking us and being open. Nice. Okay, Rishi, what is your most beautiful memory of prayer? Singing Lachadaiti on Friday night outside with my sisters as the sun was setting and the stars were coming out. Beautiful. I think all my best memories were in nature, actually. Devorah. What is the strangest place that you've davened? Well, I grew up in Beijing, so probably <laughs> probably anytime I daven there, strangest place. Nice. Yeah, but I also, when I was in high school in Israel, it was during a pretty contentious time. I mean, it always is there, but it was during a pretty contentious time. I spent a lot of time in shelters and inevitably davened there. And so that was probably the strangest place and also kind of connecting to the past thing, also pretty beautiful in its own way. Nice. Okay. I want to end off with this one. Back to you, Kimberly. Can you share a moment when you spontaneously talked to God? Yeah. When my daughter, when I thought that they were going to have to remove her lung after like so many surgeries and so many, so many, so many things, I literally just started to say Shema and just in the waiting room amongst a million people and crying and millions of people around me and just to focus and ground myself. Like I'm going to be one with Hashem, whatever the doctor tells me is what's going to be the news when she comes out of the OR, it's going to be, and it was good news. So thank God I can share it was good news. Rishi, what's a special moment when you spontaneously spoke to God? I guess what comes to me is just a moment of just peace in my house. I have kids with lots of different types of brains, shall we say, and we have a lot of different behaviors going on in my house. And on a good day, there's just a lot of chaos and a lot of dysregulation and stuff like that. And when there's a moment where everybody is peaceful and doing something productive and I just well up with gratitude, (laughs) like, thank you, God, for my adorable kids and thank you, God, for this moment of peace. Sometimes on a sunny day, I'm like, thank you, Hashem, for the sun. I literally need it. It's like oxygen. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like when I hear good news, like when there's so much struggle, like when I watch my kids struggle so much and like something positive happens, I see progress. I see, I see some happiness. I just like, I'm like, I just, I want to like open myself and just give Hashem a hug, you know, like, thank you. (laughs) Nice. 
All right. Thank you all. This was so beautiful. I feel like this brought so much of the Tefila series home for me, just like exchanging ideas and heart ideas <laughs> with other women. It was really special. So thank you all for showing up, for sharing, for opening your hearts, for being vulnerable. It was beautiful. Thank you so much. It was an this honor. Was really. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much. It was so special. Elokai zakinina betoratra uvimitotecha mechamberet nishmati tamidilecha mechamber mechamber Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, take a quick second to leave a rating or a review. It means a lot to me. It helps other people find the podcast. And if you really loved it and this episode really resonated with you, then I want to invite you to share it with a friend who you think might love it too. As I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, the Human and Holy Resource Center is live. Visit humanandholy.com to shop our limited edition Tvila collection. If you want to find out more about each item, visit the podcast episode titled The Human and Holy Resource Center, where I take you through the process of all four of the items in our Tvila collection, talk about the backstory to them, and how they can each be really powerful resources to help you enhance your experience of prayer. Thank you for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day.